2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320
1: KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on your Friday here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson, Lane Gillespie with me. We're going to be joined by Brandon McAnderson. Coming up at about 3.40, former uh, Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. He's going to talk some KU football with us. We'll get some uh, NBA offseason stuff with BMAC as well. He, he loves his NBA. Um, Matt Llewellyn is going to stop by in studio in the 4 o'clock hour. Lawrence High had a cool little football ordeal go down last week. He's going to tell us about that. and uh, I guess it'll be our, our first kind of early season preview of the uh, Lawrence High football team Headed into the uh, upcoming fall season, coming up here in a few months. Um, Also, we've got a couple other segments to get to today. We're going to unveil a new segment, and we have our sports stock market. But leading off today's show, did you know we are exactly eight weeks away from the KU football season opener? Wow, we're that close? I know, that makes it sound like a lot closer than it is. I I mean, yeah, that's fair. It's technically like a about days, it's about know? 2 months but that's still that's still not bad it's not but like when you think about it from a day's perspective like it's what 60 days something like like that makes it sound a lot further 56 than 56 yeah the okay so one, slightly yeah. under 60 so 60 so um 8 weeks makes it sound like like that's right around the corner which that's exciting um so we only have you know a, a handful more of shows we're going to have football trivia coming up at the end of the month uh, that'll help get us through the, really? the doldrums of the off season so Uh, That's a positive, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Next week is is Big 12 Media Days and everything. So as of right now, where we sit with the team, we're about a month away from, um, like, I always call it training camp. That's what they call it in, like, the NFL. That's not what KU calls it. But, uh, you know, basically the the month leading up to the season where they get back together and and when things really start to happen for the team. So we still have not gotten there, which will – have you know the the freshmen who weren't here uh, enrolled earlier the transfers who weren't here enrolled early uh are going to join and and then you start to get a better idea of these position battles and, and what things are going to look like we'll start hearing from the coaches and everything very valuable information but as of right now like what is your biggest question about this team i mean obviously when, when your team that as as positive as things seem to be building and as much as you know i'm i'm high on where this is going for ku football Uh, overall, if you step back and say that, yeah, well, the Vegas over-under win total is still two and a half. So, like, clearly there are still a lot of questions about the team. But what is the biggest question you have right now?
2: My biggest issue about last year's team, and this is mostly about the first eight or nine weeks, and then they got better in the last three, was can they perform to the best of their abilities and keep things competent for 60 minutes? Mm -hmm. Because, honestly, if the college football games were about the same length as high school football games. KU probably would have had four or five wins. And I'm thinking mostly about the coastal Carolina game, the Duke game where for three quarters, they were great. They kept things close or even had a lead against them. And then the last 15 minutes just went away like big time. Like we were outscored 21, nothing in the fourth quarter or something like that. And that's the one issue that I had was that they did not perform well for all 60 minutes, it was about 40, 45, and then it kind of fell off. So, can they really have the strength, the stamina, everything in between, to be the best that they can be for 60 minutes?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's a valid, you know, uh, point and criticism. Obviously, we saw over the last three games of the season. Uh, they competed well, they beat Texas, they almost beat TCU and West Virginia. But even in those games, like to your point, those things happen. So, I mean, you could go back to the second game of the season, Coast Carolina, right? That was a one or a two score game midway through the third quarter. And then they kind of pull away at the end there. You have the Oklahoma game where you're leading at the end of the third quarter and you're unable to kind of finish the job um, in that situation. And then the Texas game, like, that game should have never even gone to overtime. Um, you, you gave up a big lead late to to force it there. The TCU game, um, you kind of give up the lead late, and then the West Virginia game, you kind of fall off at the very end of the game. Um, and, and obviously, all those things were encouraging, all those games individually based on what we were. But yeah, that that's what you're looking for in this year. Can you improve those things? Because then, if you're improving on that kind of fourth-quarter play or finishing, heck, even the Baylor game was, was kind of close at halftime, and then yep. Baylor just you know, stomped on them in the second half. If you're looking at being more competitive in the fourth quarter and and being able to do what you did in the first three quarters in the fourth quarter, then all of a sudden, like, maybe you do win the TCU game. Maybe uh, the Texas game never even goes to overtime, and on one hand, that would be sad because then we wouldn't have the folk hero (laughs) that is Jared Casey. You know, like, that that two-point conversion never would have had to happen. Um, So from one standpoint, like you know, you, you kind of got opened a window into something that that's really cool. But yeah, I mean, um, that I think is a very fair criticism. And I think overall that just speaks to kind of a larger point. I think um, that really speaks to the idea of just trying to be competitive. It's something that you hear fans that they've been saying for years. Like, yeah, obviously you want to win games. That's the most important thing here. And if you can get to three wins, which would tie the most they've had in the last, you know, 12 years, or if you get to four wins, the most you've had since since the Mangino days, um, that would obviously be huge progress and, and a huge note for you. But what you'll hear from fans is just be competitive enough. Keep my entertainment until basketball season or, you know, for the the fans who even continue to to love KU football, which there, there are a lot of them even through basketball season, it's like, just just be competitive. You know, keep me entertained. Make me feel like if I'm coming out here for an 11 a.m. game on a Saturday and I'm going to get up at 7, 8 in the morning and I'm going to set up my tailgate and I'm going to come out to the game and I'm going to do all this stuff that's going to create all this cleanup and, and spend, you know, half of my weekend essentially by spending all of your Saturday there or a majority of it there, at least make me feel like it was worth it. Don't have that happen, and then we lose by 40 points. You know, Be competitive. And and if you can be better in the fourth quarter, then, yeah, that's certainly something that would add to the competitiveness. Um, And and I think that as much as we want to see the wins and losses, this basically is year one to a certain extent for Lance Leipold because he started so late in the game last year. It's, It's like year one and a half, sort of. And so if you have a season where you go three and nine, but among your losses, a lot of them are by one or two score, and you're not having the games against Iowa State and Oklahoma State where you're just, you know, blown out from the first two drives of the game. Um, that would be a huge success, I, I think, for this season. Uh, for me, I think the biggest question that I have, like, I, I don't know. It's just like, how real was? Some of what we saw at the end of the uh, end of last season, like
2: you just you're just wondering if it was a fluke or not.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like was it just was it just catching lightning in a bottle? Okay, you know, um, and and I think you look at it from like an individual player standpoint, right? Like Jalen Daniels, for instance. Jalen Daniels was great the last three games of the season. That's not a hyperbole. It's not just he was great compared to other KU quarterbacks of the past. No, he was he was great overall. Like if you look at his total QBR. What he did those last three weeks, like that rivals any other quarterback, what they were doing in the Big 12. You know, he he would have ranked in the top 30 of the country in total QBR if you extrapolated out those three weeks into um, a full season. So like, clearly he was very good. Is that real? Can you expect Jalen Daniels to be a top half quarterback in the Big 12? The
2: thing to me is that I I, I don't think it's a fluke, but I do understand what you're saying. And the only reason why I think that way is because momentum does a lot of crazy things to a team. Mm -hmm. You look back at 2007, the 12-1 and team that made it all the way to the Orange Bowl and won. Started off hot, continued on, and yeah, they were talented. Were they the most talented in the country? Hell no. Not even close. But it's because momentum can do such a crazy thing to your team. Let's get one thing straight. That Texas game, we're glad it happened. That was not supposed to happen. But that carried the way for the next two weeks against TCU against West Virginia and how they kept it so damn close is because momentum does a lot of crazy things to a team.
1: Yeah. And, and that's kind of my question. Like, is it, uh, is it, you know, one season's worth of momentum? Does it cut off when the season ends and guys graduate and guys leave the team and, and things are different, or, or is that something that can carry over to the next season and in the off season and everything? And if it does, I think that's obviously a great sign for KU, but what happens if we go out here and in week one of the season, KU gets upset by Tennessee Tech. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like What does that do to that? I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I I do think Jalen Daniels is going to be the long-term answer for KU, a quarterback. But yeah, there's a level of him being a competent quarterback from KU standards to being a top-half quarterback in the Big 12, which he was over the final three weeks of the season last year, that things like that or, you know, uh, like things that, maybe you don't have anymore like Kwame Lasseter graduates away like how much does that kind of affect things um the next question I have is, is what do you feel most certain about like what what do you feel like you know about this team and, and you would be surprised if that weren't and or, or didn't end up kind of being the case at the end of the year I think
2: it's just that the um the one thing I'm certain about is that the athletics program is ready for this big 12 or this football team to uh Really, stride. I mean, the the way I think about it is this: the fan support, yeah, it's going to be there, but how far is it going to be there? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the thing, and I, you know, I hate to say these two guys' names, but you think about the fan support between the David Beatty area era and the Les Miles era, uh, skyrocketed, and then maybe it took a little bit of a dip, and now I think because of the last three week, three weeks, now, you know what? Not just the last three weeks, the the fan support is going to go up because I also think about the Oklahoma game. And that was such a big deal for the athletics program because not only was it a close game against Oklahoma at about halftime, there's an email sent out to everyone saying, hey, come in for free, support KU, possibly upsetting a top 10 team, top five team in the country. I thought that was a good thing for that athletics program to do. because then Yeah, that was one of the coolest things
1: that we've seen in a while.
2: Because boy, did that stadium get loud Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. And yeah, even though KU lost that game, I thought that. KU Athletics really grew as a brand in and of itself. And I think that they're going to continue to do that through the entire season.
1: So the one thing that I feel like I know is that this team is going to um, fight kind of tooth and nail. Like, I, I feel like I know that they have the horses in the the running back room to be a good running team. Um, And the offensive line returns enough, but there are questions about the depth. I just wonder if, you know, like they could have the best running backs in the world. If the line isn't making holes, how much does it matter? But I do feel like I know they should be at least like a proficient running team. And then, yeah, I, I, I feel like obviously there are no questions about. You know, later in in certain coaches' tenures, like if it's not working out, you start to question, well, are guys still fighting tooth and nail for their coach? Well, it's still very early in this tenure, and also I think they're going in the right direction and moving toward the positive way that you feel like you're going to get the max effort, you're going to get that max fight out of the team that you could possibly want, which, uh, you know, at at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest things you're kind of looking for. The last question I have, and this goes back to the quarterback play with Jalen Daniels. He was so good at the end of last season. Um Will we just see one starting quarterback all season long for KU?
2: Honestly, I hope so. Because you know the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I do not like a two QB system. Now, if it's because if it's that both guys stay healthy, then yeah, you're going to have only one quarterback. Um, unless Jalen really falls off and we start to see Jason Bean thrive. And that I don't see that happening. Is just the thing. I think it's going to be Jalen Daniels from the jump. It's going to be Jalen Daniels in week 14 of the season, which, yeah, would be the okay the last game of the season. I think right. it'll be Jalen Daniels through and through. I do want to see how they can still make Jason Bean a good asset to the team and not necessarily just at a QB spot. The dude's He's so fast. fast the yeah. dude is so fast. I was saying before, I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see him kind of take a Carrie Meyer role and become a wide receiver.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he has the speed. He has the athleticism that he could figure into some other roles. Yeah, I, I don't know what the the expectation is for him, whether we're going to see him in, like you said, a receiver role or as a running back role or, or just specific packages. But you, you, you would imagine when you're that fast. I mean, he might be the fastest player on the team. Like, it, it's hard to keep guys like that off the field. Um, what gets me here is that – so, like – to be clear, we have not seen stability at the quarterback position for KU. I mean, we had the 2019 season with Carter Stanley where he was the guy. Even then, I think it was the third game of the season when they beat down Boston College on the road, um, and they showed this on like the the Miles to Go series. Uh, Carter Stanley had kind of struggled the week before against Coastal Carolina at home, and I think he threw an interception early in that game, and you hear the coaching staff on the sideline of yeah. that the video saying um, – do you want to go with, with someone else? Do you want to bench Carter Stanley? I, and I, they say, we'll give him one more.
2: Yeah, I was I was yeah. about to say that. We'll give him one more. Yeah, When did he show out? Because yeah, exactly. Because it was exactly. going to
1: be that or Miles Kendrick. And from then on, he just kind of hit the ground running and it was his to go with. But the point is, like, it wasn't that far away from there being another guy at some point in that season. Outside of that season, though, like, we've seen two, maybe even three quarterbacks for KU start games in given seasons. And even last year, we saw two. We saw Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels. Now that's a little different because what I'm talking about here, I'm not just saying, like, will it be one quarterback um, in terms of, well, what happens if somebody gets injured and the other guy has to start a game? That's not what I mean. I mean, will there be more than one quarterback start a game due to performance or trying okay. to, you know, find who the right guy is? Now, technically, that didn't happen last year, but you could also say it It sort of did because uh, by Jalen getting the opportunity due to Jason being being injured, he he, you know, kind of showed out enough to to be the starting quarterback at that point. Um I would like to think and hope that Jalen Daniels, based on what we saw at the end of last season, is on that positive progression that, you know, he's not going to give up the starting job. But again, like it wouldn't be that crazy if you were to say where we're sitting right now, because again, it feels like Jalen Daniels is the for sure starting quarterback. Would it be that wild if if we were to look at the end of the year and it was like, oh, this young freshman, Ethan Vasco, looks really good? Or um, you know, we get into a situation where uh Jalen Daniels just inconsistent, throws too many interceptions, and and here comes Jason Bean or something. It's not something I'm necessarily predicting, because again, I am confident in Jalen Daniels, but I, I think we've seen in the past with KU football to just go into a season and assume that you're going to have one guy the entire year, a quarterback, right. has has not been a winning proposition. My thing is just
2: what I'm hoping out of the coaching staff is to not go into week one thinking that there's going to be a two QB system. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out by then because we've seen what happens before with that. And like I said, the adage: if you have two QBs, you have no QBs. I firmly believe that because we go back to David Beatty and Les Miles. You know, first year under Les Miles, he said originally that they're going to try to opera- operate in a two QB system. And thankfully, Carter Stanley stood uh, stood out in the mix. Uh, the last year under David Beatty, uh, the- he said that there was going to be a two QB system, and it ended up being Peyton Bender standing out in the mix and him being the starting QB the whole season. And yeah, they didn't perform the way that we would have wanted to with both of those teams ending three and nine. But I think from the jump, you have to have the stability in the QB spot to say, this is who we're going with, and this is the guy we want to go with throughout the entire season. And yeah, I think I, that helps out the mindset of a team.
1: I think that's that's the goal, that's the plan, but will it actually happen remains to be seen. Now, I will say this, like uh, we talked about this last year headed into the season, when you go back and look at Lance Leipold's years at Buffalo, they really did stick with one guy and, and it seemed like that was even the plan last year. Again, like it's not that Jason Bean lost the starting job because and he had some tough performances in there, but at no point did he lose it because of performance. He he lost it because of injury that then allowed Jalen Daniels to get into the game and then perform really well to keep him in the game. So I, I I do think the staff obviously wants that to happen. It's just like I said, um, I think we've as, you know, people who have watched KU football been a little jaded by the idea that yep, quarterback's just a carousel at this point, but you know, this is a different staff, things do feel different the way Jalen Daniels played at the end of last season that should give you all the confidence in the world that he can be the guy uh, moving forward with Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, we'll talk some more KU football with Brandon McAnderson coming up here in less than 20 minutes, this is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app, depend on it (laughs) Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card, too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson here, joined now by Brandon McAnderson, a former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back and member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Uh, BMAC, we were... Talking earlier in the show, we're eight weeks out now from the uh, season opener for KU football against Tennessee Tech. Uh, what is your biggest question right now uh, about the team, and what is it that you feel most certain about that you know uh, headed into this season?
3: So I think the uh, the thing I'm most curious about is wide receiver. Um, it's just a group that has some production but not as number one guys. So I'm interested to see if someone's willing to step up it's a talented group. uh, So one that I'm obviously excited about, uh, but I think that's one of the biggest question mark. And I would go with D-line as the biggest positive. I would say simply because, you know, no one would say that they performed great, but they were solid all year. And um, it's a group that's basically returning everyone. Um, So it's one that uh, I'm very excited about.
1: Is there like a, I don't know, it's, it's, I think from a fan perspective and, and from the outside, it's easy to peg like success or not based on just like the win total and stuff. And and I know it's different. Um, they always talk about the process and everything inside, and and you know that they're not focused on the results and that they're going to deem success in another way. But um, I guess from the outside looking in, do do you think that um, there is a number uh, that you would deem kind of this year successful? Like we were kind of talking on on the previous segment about if they if KU goes 3-9 and nine this next season, you have some competitive losses, Like, would that be a successful season? I I kind of said yes, um, and, and we both kind of agreed that if they got to four wins, like it would be a resounding success of a season. Do you kind of view it the same way? Kind of.
3: I think that under normal circumstances, I almost certainly agree with you, but obviously there's nothing in college athletics at this point that is normal. Um, so I think it's imperative that they do well right away. And I think that's a the- I don't think that they feel pressure to do that for those reasons. I think they feel pressure because they think they're good. I mean, you know, listen to these guys in interviews, you know, watch them in spring practice. The confidence level is different. The leadership's different. Uh, the maturity is different. So I think there's a sense that they believe they should win because they're good. You know, not because, you know, they need to or because they have to or it's finally time for I think they think they should win because they're good. And uh, I tend to agree with them. I think that a successful season, just from a fan perspective, I think ten competitive, hard fought games, and um, you know three four wins would be you know right where they would need to be to get this thing really churning. Uh, but I honestly think their aspirations are bigger than that, especially with so many older veteran players, you know, that want to play and be a part of a bowl game and want to be a part of the turnaround here.
1: When fans and and everybody gets to see KU football for the first time in 2022 in that Friday night opener. Do you envision that there will be something that sticks out where, you know, if you just looked back to last year and and compared it to the first game of this season where it'll be apparent that there is something different about this team and and what do you think that would be?
3: I think it'll be the physicality. And I think we've been I think I had a, you know, my perspective on the field, being on the sidelines, I think I got to see it up close. I think the game that stood out to me the most, obviously, I love the Texas win, and that's what you need you know, to rebuild your program. You have to actually win. But the TCU game was different because that wasn't a game where they played perfect. It wasn't a game where everything went right. A lot of things actually went wrong. But they were so physical and competitive in that game to, I don't think – I mean, Kansas football hasn't builded a whole bunch of physical competitive teams in the last 10 years. So I think the first thing will stick out is that they will look like a big, strong, physical Big 12 team. And I think that will be the first time in a decade. So I think just the aesthetics in that first game will stick out.
1: Well, one of the things that that my co-host Lane was um, kind of, you know, wondering in in terms of questions about the team was – what is this team going to look like in the fourth quarter? Because think about some of the, you know, performances, or maybe you could just view it as second half as a whole, like the Baylor game close at halftime. They pull away Coastal Carolina. You have it to a one or two score game, you know, midway through the third quarter, and then they pull away um, Oklahoma game. You're up at the end of the third quarter, even the Texas game that you ended up winning, Uh, probably never should have even been a game in the first place that KU should have had to go to overtime to begin with because Texas had to mount that big comeback in the final quarter of the game. Obviously, against TCU and West Virginia, you you fought so hard and fought so well, but in the end, they squeaked it out at the end. When you think about those those late games where, or, or kind of as the game goes on, maybe fading a little bit, does that, do you think, have something to do with just um, kind of the strength and conditioning program that they've been putting themselves through and and getting that stuff bulked up do you think it's more mental what do you think goes into that and and do you think that can change from last year to this year
3: so i think the important thing to look at in those games is that the defense so uh, we were close against baylor but if you remember that was complete offensive ineptitude like we I mean, other than one drive, we couldn't even get a first down. And I think what happened in that game is they got tired because of the amount of snaps that the defense was playing and the offense was kind of just getting beat up. Remember, that was one of those early season games where the offensive line had not had not started to gel and find their way. So I think that tells a bit of the story, but not not as much as you would think. You think about the Duke game. Um, you know, we get the pick by Romello. He runs it back, but he gets pushed out of bounds. Then we lose 16 yards. Then we miss a field goal. So I think some of that first half stuff, I don't think it was a fluke. I think it's not going to have any relation to this season just because I know that, you know, conditioning is a popular thing to say about why there was so much drop off. And there could be some truth to that in terms of conditioning and depth. And definitely they'll have more depth and more of a full season of conditioning. But I also think that that was just due to the defense came out ready to play and the offense didn't and that happened in a couple games early in the season where especially that Baylor game was hot you know it was an early fall hot game and I think our defense did as well as they could forced some turnovers early in that game and stuck around but got worn out by a bigger physical team so you'll see that this is going to be a bigger more physical team but I also don't know what the correlations will be if any from last year to this year.
1: We're talking with Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Um, college football, and I say college football because that's the driving force, but it, it's you all college football. sports. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the realignment that's that's going on right now. What are kind of your thoughts on on all this happening once again? And um, I guess from your standpoint, a former college football player, someone who, you know, is, is – uh, on, on the radio group of a college football team is involved with a program, but also someone who like, you've made it clear that, you know, you, you like the NFL watching the NFL a lot more than college football. Like, how do you kind of view this from your lens of things?
3: So I would say that, um, from a, just a perspective as a radio person, I, I'm excited about it, you know, for a, on a basic level like oh we get to go to the west coast games if we have,
1: <laughs> you know like
3: just thinking about the aesthetic mm-hmm. and the experience and just a fan and be you know being involved with the game overall i think it's tough i think it's going to be tough on the big 12 moving forward i hope some things shake you know the way of the conference so that we can stabilize ourselves and you know, hold something together here um, but the, the instability is i it's got to be frustrating for those people that are decision makers and you know, everybody kind of being at the mercy right now of Notre Dame. Seems like nothing's moving till they move, and what you know, what they have, everybody wants. I don't know why they would give it up. So, I mean, it's it's something that's driven by outside forces that are actually inside forces, and those inside forces forces, you know, created the necessity for NIL. So all these things are an evolution of the game, and as this thing evolves, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. So I'm not willing to hitch my wagon to any version of it. I'm more like, wait and see. This is just what happens. You know, when those TV contracts started to get out of control, this was inevitable. Uh, So it's, you know, those those TV networks now have the control, and they're the ones pushing the reform, and, you know, Kansas is in uh, the passenger seat. They're going to have to kind of wait and see, and Hopefully it works out that they have some stability. They're able to maintain at least uh, where they are revenue-wise and, you know, keep the program rolling.
1: Well, and I I know, like, change is inevitable, and and I don't want to be the person who's like, everything that changes is just, no, this doesn't work for me. Um, But at the same point in time, like, part of college football's popularity um, especially like if you just compare it to the NFL. And I know they're played on different days, so it's not like they're in direct competition necessarily with one another. But it's the idea that, because obviously the product in the NFL is just going to be good, better than college football. It's, you know, the professional. It's better athletes. It's it's the best of the best, right? Um, the product's just going to be better. The same way the product is going to be better for NBA players than college players, but there has certain allure to, to each game in, in their own way. And in college football, the one kind of niche that they have is – you know, it's it's the regionality, it's the rivalry basis, the idea that um, in college football, if if you're sitting there at six and five at the end of the year and your opponent's seven and four, neither one of you have a shot, if you win that game, of, of going to the college football playoff. But you're playing your rival and you want to beat the brakes off of them, and to a certain standpoint, like the success or failure of that season. Um, it, it comes down to that game in, in a lot of ways, and that that makes the sport more unique and, and the regular season different in college football. And with all this realignment happening, of course, you're still going to have certain rivalries and certain regionality. But uh, with the map being spread out so much in some of these conferences and with losing some of those rivalries, like I, I can't help but think that because they're going to be, they're going to get a lot of money in the short term with all these big TV deals and everything. So, like, clearly in the short term, they're going to be better off if if you find your way into like, for instance, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, where they might make I don't know three times the amount of money on their media rights deal. Um, but I can't help but wonder if, you know, that that short-term success isn't going to end up haunting them in the long term because. Uh, You know, for the diehard college football fans, they're going to watch no matter what. They're going to be like, well, I don't necessarily like this, but I'm still going to watch these games. I'm still going to watch my team. I can't help but think that the average college football fan or or just the average sports fan, I guess would be the better way of putting it, the average sports fan isn't going to go, you know, maybe I had interest in watching this rivalry game before. Now I'm not really interested in watching this game between, you know, UCLA
3: and Rutgers. Right. See, that's the part I can't really put my you know, put a finger on it. I, you'll see that these alignments usually come in couples so that they can maintain some rivalries like USC, UCLA. But that game has been insignificant for, I don't yeah, know. Man. I mean, when's the last time UCLA has played a significant football game? It's been maybe one year out of 20. So I don't see them as significant in any way. So whether they come with USC, True SE, BSE, <laughs> is anyone really going to watch? You know, so that's kind of my thing. I think they're going to have to take their medicine on some of that stuff. It seems to me like when it comes to business, there is a perception of, We'll just give them this little, this little taste, and then they'll just take it and watch it anyway. And they've been right so far. Yeah. One day they're not going to be right. I just don't know when that is. So I kind of don't understand it from either perspective. Um, and I, I think that you know, college football has lost some significance in terms of regional rivalry and you know that sort of thing. But ultimately. You know, this is where we were heading. And that's what I mean by evolution. That's why I'm not getting caught up too much on the the intricacies of the details because all these things feel like a byproduct of the big thing when the big thing is so much money being poured into the sport. And they're trying to accommodate it and trying to – they're trying to make money off of it without spending too much. And they think, you know, maintaining these coupled regional rivalries will keep that going. I don't know if that's true. I just hope that, uh, you know, they continue to – you know, as a fan from a base level, I, I would just like to see a more organization on the game. And I think that's what they're going to eventually come to, the competition more, and, and which might end up being good for the game. It's more of a competition committee where they can get some uniformity in the way the game's played in terms of the rules and the structure of it. But ultimately, this thing is far from finished in terms of how it's going to unfold.
1: Talking with Brandon McAnderson, I did want to get to some NBA talk with you. Uh, the off-season ongoing. Yeah. Kevin Durant right now uh, is the big fish that that needs to be fried at this point. I think before maybe some other moves uh, continue on to happen. Um, what do you view as the best destination for for Kevin Durant?
3: So Kevin Durant is officially the Notre Dame of the NBA um, <laughs> as <laughs> as he's the big piece to fall. You know, I'm not certain. I think that it's a it's a it's a bigger risk than people are making it seem to take a guy who's going to be 38 at the end of this contract and expensive and exchange him for an up and comer who has 10, 12 years of greatness, even if he never reaches KD's level. I mean, we don't have teams and we don't pay for players. So it's easy for us to have these conversations. I think they're much harder behind closed doors. And I think he is, I mean, this situation is unprecedented. We don't know what's going to happen. I heard that there was a big domino to fall will be Saturday uh, because there's some belief that uh, the Pacers are going to uh, have DeAndre Ayton sign a uh, restricted sheet. free agent yeah. offer sheet. If he does so, he cannot be included in the signing trade. So if Durant wants to get Phoenix, that's a big piece of that in terms of you know, I heard one proposal of uh, Bridges and Camp Johnson going to Brooklyn and, you know, Aiton going somewhere else, and then the Nets getting a million picks and Bridges and uh, Camp Johnson. So there's a lot of moving parts. Saturday I heard that they can make the uh, Brogdon trade from Indiana official. So Indiana will have enough cap space to make the offer to Aiton, and we'll see if this thing gets wild this weekend. If you're If you're on Monday, you know, having one of these conversations about, oh, my God, but I think I would like to see him – Um, you know, obviously staying in Brooklyn, you know, they they created the situation and it's super weird now, so I guess I get it. Um, but I just like to see him go somewhere and figure it out. Even if it's not, you know, you know, he seems to be like, I want to go to a title ready team and it's like What are you doing, man? (laughs) Like how can we (laughs) trade for the the second best player in the league and still have a title ready team? I mean, it's and then the if I'm the Nets, ultimately, it's going to come down to, you know, should I give up the second-best player for a couple future pieces? Maybe because of that James Harden trade and how it, you know, just bankrupts them of their picks. I mean, there's a lot going on with the Nets. I mean, I can't wait for that 30-30 to 30 of how this all came to be and, you know, the infamous Kyrie Irving presser at the end of the Celtics series where he named everybody's first name except Steve Nash and how they were going to build this together and then immediately asked for a trade. So, I mean, and no one wanted to trade for him. There's just a billion things going on. I'm fascinated. I'm tuned in. I think the, the Suns would be cool. It, it'd be fun to see a team with three complete technicians like Booker, Paul, and uh, KB, and they'd be a tough team to beat. Um, but I think that'd be the team I'd want to see him play for. So.
1: so it sounds like you're out on the idea of him going to your Miami Heat.
3: I guess I don't understand how you could present a package that doesn't have BAM in it that's really, really interesting. And if the Heat don't have – as a Heat person, I I will take 10 years of BAM over four years of KD. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. I think I, I would bet on all the things that BAM brings to the franchise versus what the four years with KD could be.
1: Okay. Uh, have you uh, fallen into Chet Holmgren mania? Are you watching summer league basketball? What are kind of your thoughts on uh, some of the top NBA draft picks?
3: I always love summer league because it's just a great time to see people overreact. Um, <laughs> I think what's, what these tall, big players are—you know, regardless of what they become in the NBA—you get a chance to see how special these people are. You know, Chet has obviously got the the Carl Anthony Towns thing to where Gonzaga just asked him to do one thing. Because, I I mean, I had forgotten he could do all those things. So he'll be fun to watch, but he'll also have his shortcoming. Paolo's always an interesting guy just because you forget how massive he is. You know, just his, his skill level with with the, off the dribble, his footwork. He's the kind of person Orlando needs. So I'm really excited about him. So this is a bunch of young players. Dave he's going to be awesome with Cade. So Summer leagues like our preview, and it's like that that period of time where there's nothing on TV. So I'm waiting on the basketball tournament and Summer League, so I'm going to be watching it all.
1: He is Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network, former Orange Bowl winning running back. BMAC, appreciate the time as always, man. All
3: right, thanks, man. All
1: right, it's Brandon McAnderson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, at 1320 KLWN. One hour down, two to go. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie, and we're joined in studio by Matt Llewellyn, 23rd Street Brewery, and uh, also fame of being on the call of our LHS football games, which are coming up here. And uh, we were just saying at the beginning of the show, we're eight weeks away from the first KU football game. I think the the season opener for LHS is on a Thursday.
0: Yes, the 8th.
1: Okay, the 8th. So that would make it so eight weeks from yesterday, the first game. Um... And last, was it last week. I've lost track of time ever since coming over from, from Germany. But last week, you, they had an event over at Twenty uh, Third Street Brewery. They had yep. a draft yep. with it the was... LHS football team. Just uh, kind of tell us about it.
0: Well, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was just before it was it was uh, uh, you know right before the holiday, mm-hmm. uh, the Fourth July holiday. It was so it was on the Monday prior to, so a week before the Fourth. And it was, it was a great event. It was so much fun. It's The second one that we've done is a draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, and basically, uh, you know, they had, they've had camp ever since the first of June. Uh, and they've really kind of been working out, doing stuff since in May. And just really having fun. I mean, and, and Clint's had, had some of the freshmen doing like they, he did. Had them do a, uh, uh, oh, it was really a, a flag football kind of thing a seven on seven deal just to kind of get him introduced but anybody was welcome so we had kids out there from uh uh free state and but but really it was more for the incoming freshman um and then a year below uh just to kind of get him introduced to, to more of the high school atmosphere um and that actually started in april and they had some of the varsity guys out there with them helping them and explaining things to them it was a really cool thing mm-hmm um but anyway so they've had head camp and then after their camp they had a draft on the monday at at, at the brewery a lot of fun uh and and the podium set up and everything oh yeah podium set up handing out the hats uh when you get picked you get a hat for the the first 10 picture Uh with the Kabish. uh picture with with me and Clint, and, uh, but I don't know that I would call me the commission.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd rather get a picture with you than Roger Goodell. Oh, so, okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah.
0: Uh, but it was it was so much fun, and and it it was just the 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 most fun was what the what happened with the kids. I mean, mm-hmm. they just loved it. Their buddies were called and they yelled and screamed. I mean, even up until
1: I'm sure they're talking trash to their friends, like oh I got picked oh, before yeah, you. Oh or, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. And they all dressed up, they all did funky little things <laughs> and it was it was just a really cool event, as was last year's, and no one know what was gonna happen last year. because uh, so this we, is now a tradition. It's happened a second absolutely. time. This is now an annual tradition. Oh yeah, tradition, right? oh, yeah. It, it has absolutely become a tradition and we'll just try
1: to up our game next year. Uh, so have you thought about that? Like what is the next stage of this?
0: Well, I wanna get you know, I I, I wanna get a, a celeb in there okay. of some kind. Now, now, last year, uh, it, it it was, you know, we had the, um, uh, oh God, why am I? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, LHS great. Went to Oklahoma. Played for. Oh, Amani. Amani uh, Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. We had Amani Bledsoe there, and that mm-hmm. was really cool. Uh, that Amani could be there and get his picture with with the kids, and you know they were kind of in awe. Uh, but Amani's a stud, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's still a stud. He's. He still, I think, has a chance. Kind of bouncing
1: around with like the Titans. The last I saw, right. yeah,
0: right. So mm-hmm. he still got a chance, but anyway. So this year it was just me and Clint, and <laughs> but, but it was still a lot of fun. It was really cool, calling all the kids' names. I mean, it was just it was a neat atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It really was, uh, and and then uh, and then those teams. So if you were picked, then your counterpart. So you were basically.
1: It was a package deal at your position? It was a package okay.
0: deal at your position.
1: So, so, uh, so if one quarterback gets picked, the other team gets the other quarterback, right? right? So, okay. So, Adam Green's team
0: picked mm-hmm. first, and then, and that was, uh, Alvarado who's a center. And so then, so is it just the captains who are picking? The next, the, uh, it was the, uh, no, the person who picked was, so Adam Green. Mm hmm was the coach for for his team, oh, Okay, and then Coach Rezegui was the coach for his team. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it was separated. And then so Coach Rezegui got wh- whoever the, the center, the number two center was. Mm-hmm. So that's who he got. But that kid was picked and got to come up on stage also, and and so that was kind of a cool deal. And then when Re- Coach Rez picked, he got Kem Allen, uh, nose tackle. So then uh, Coach Green got the number two nose tackle so that's kind of how that went down but it was a really really it was just fun all the way around and then and uh you know there were different kind of styles the the big style this year was the jacket with no shirt and gold <laughs> yeah. chain on so it, it was just it was just a lot of fun and then and then it all led up to the game on thursday which was uh you know a, a good time for the boys before mm-hmm. they get to take a little break now and uh before before everything really gets ramped up again and, in August, well, last
1: year I, I thought I could be wrong on this. I could have sworn last year Truman Jules Guard was the number one pick, which makes sense. I believe but... he was, and it and and the the deal was is that Truman,
0: and they didn't do the, the way that they did it this year. So you could automatically, you automatically get the number two quarterback. Right. So if Truman if Truman would have been picked, then Baylor or uh, then uh, Tyson Grammer would have automatically gone to, uh, the other team. Mm-hmm. Well, Tyson Grammer is a pretty good little football player at other potential positions. so it would have worked out that he could have could have gotten picked now and that this year it kind of worked out that way when Braden heck was picked. Well really the number two pick then the number two running back would have been Jacobson. but Jacobson's a really good player in in, in other aspects so uh, Jacobson ended up getting picked. 14th to below uh Braden Heck because he could take another position. So then anyway, it, it was it yeah. was there was definitely some gamesmanship going on. Mm-hmm. But because Tyson Grammer was pretty much I mean Tyson has been the backup for two years and and a, and a really good little solid quarterback. And so Tyson, but his backup is Banks Bowen. <laughs> and Banks while only a sophomore is a stud, there's just there's just. Yeah, what's no... he going to
1: play? I mean, uh, Baylor was just a stud receiver on the outside to make jump ball catches. Uh, what are we going to see Banks as this year?
0: You know, he can he can play defense and wide receiver and quarterback. I I, I don't I don't know. That's a question more for a coach, but uh, he he's very versatile, and uh, and I would think. Just kind of what the feel that I got from from all the coaches is that is that Tyson will absolutely be their their, their quarterback. I, I can't imagine that not happening at least starting uh, to start the season. Um, but Tyson's a, Tyson's a good linebacker, man. So Tyson could potentially get some reps at defense. I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen at, at quarterback. I really don't. I'm assuming it's going to be Tyson, but if it's Banks and Tyson starts on defense. That wouldn't shock me either, um, but I would imagine that both those guys will get reps. And the reason why I say that is just because of the scrimmage. I mean, the scrimmage was fun; it was awesome because there were some there were some long thrown balls and some catches and some drops, <laughs> as you can imagine, in a scrimmage right. of, of uh, uh, just of getting back into the groove of things. But it was a lot of fun to watch. It was it really was. And so that will be a big question going into the season and who's going to be the quarterback. But I'm guessing it will be Tyson just Mm -hmm. because he has been that uh, solid, solid backup for two years now.
1: Well, that's certainly the big question because Truman was so good last year. But it's interesting because you go back to two years ago, when you had, what was it, nineteen, twenty of the starters were all seniors, and then you head into last year and you only have a couple returning starters, and it's kind of more of a question mark of like, what's this season going to be, but they ended up having a great season nonetheless, make it all the way to uh, sub-state finals before bowing out to Derby there in sub-state. Unbelievable second year, uh, considering all that loss, and, and whether, even if you didn't have that loss, it was a great year. Um, so what's kind of the thought this year? Is there a lot of returning starters? Like, what's kind of the strength well, there, of the team? Well, are...
0: This team is absolutely more experienced. Mm-hmm. There's no question it's so much more experienced than the one last year. Uh, starters, you know, yeah, we have more starters than we did last year. We are very, very solid on the line, but not deep at all. And so, and I think that's why in the draft we saw all these linemen go. And then also the big deal was Lance Bassett wasn't there. Uh, he was at the KU camp, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm assuming I I can't wait to talk to Lance because I want to find out how that went and 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 what happened for him there. Uh, and actually, I'll probably talk to. The I've KU.
1: Ne- I've never seen Lance play football. I've seen him on the basketball court, and I can just tell you, watching him play basketball, you can tell he is a great football player.
0: Well, he is good. He's going to. He's get a good hooked. basketball
1: player too. But like you can just tell sometimes when guys are like on the basketball court and it's like, oh, you can tell this guy's a beast on the football field. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and, I mean, there's no question about it. So mm-hmm. he was at the camp. So I'm excited to talk to him about that, to see how that went for him. And I'm, I'm going to be talking to the KU coaches on Monday. So I might get, I, I'm hoping to kind of get some word on those guys uh, from those guys, mm-hmm. how they, what they thought about a Lance and uh, you know, we'll just see, but I I'd love for, of course, I'd love for any Lawrence high kids to go to KU and, and that would be awesome. Uh, but Lance is, is probably the the biggest candidate to go Division One right now on this team. I can't imagine him not, but uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens. Kem Allen is a stud uh, at nose tackle. I think he's going to be great. Cole Watson, a tight end, I think he's 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 going to be great. One. Will Hendricks, you know, Will was hurt all all year long as a sophomore, but still was probably their best offensive lineman. And Will, so Will is a junior this year. I think is going to be a stud, and he so he was the fifth overall pick in the draft this year. So it's all all. Uh, well, uh, Kenton Simmons is linebacker, but uh, but Will Hendricks is good. And then Will has a younger brother, who's a freshman who. <coughs> it would not shock me, if at some point in the year his little brother gets called up to play, varsity. I. I I don't know that for a fact. I don't. Nobody has told me anything. It's just the kid is is he's probably more of an athlete than Will. Um, he's got a little bit leaner frame, but he's still a big boy. And so it's it it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with his younger brother. But again, he's a freshman, mm-hmm. so a freshman playing uh, for Lawrence High's varsity is very unheard of. But it but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it happens.
1: So uh you mentioned Brayden Heck right the running back Brayden will be a stud Brayden you saw As you say I thought there was another Heck when there two uh, brothers on the special team
0: That's okay Kivrin, he graduated okay. he's going to be at Baker this year
1: Oh, So yeah, hopefully that's right. you'll
0: get hopefully you'll get to call him
1: mm-hmm. Very Uh cool. this year at Baker so yeah, yeah. Braden's Brayden's ready to kind of step into that I mean the, those are big shoes to fill he played a lot at running back well, last yeah, year too But well,
0: Brayden was a stud I think Brayden he was he ended up being
1: it was I'm kind of him sure. and Avion Nelson, right? Yeah, combo.
0: Well, there was all kind of different switches, but mm-hmm. but Braden, I believe, ended up being the overall leading rusher. Uh, and Braden was kind of like Braden is. You need four or five yards. Braden's your man. I I, I don't know that Braden is ever going to really. Uh, he probably doesn't have that breakaway speed, but he's just so tough. I mean, he is tough, and he's gonna he he's gonna take what you give him, and then take a little bit more. But I I don't know that he's got the breakaway speed, but, you know, let's find out. Mm -hmm. Braden's a stud. He's going to be a stud, and I'm excited to see him uh, again this year. Uh, As all the Lawrence High kids. I mean, it's going to be a fun year, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: So, like I said, um, you had the season last year where you bring, you know, all these young guys up together, make it all the way to the sub-state finals. year before that, I think it was – Substate semis, both times losing to Derby, um, but both times really good seasons in the first two years of Clint Bowen. I know that's been something he's talked about, that he wants to get rid of that mentality of, oh, we're playing Derby. He wants it to be, no, they're saying, we're playing Lawrence High, Uh uh-oh. What are kind of your thoughts overall on this season upcoming? Do you think this is like another natural progression from last year? Is it kind of a, you know, this could still be really good, but it'll be maybe 2023 is the target year. Like, how do you kind of view this season?
0: I love, the thing about it is, Clint's attitude is so infectious and I he he is like we're never losing. We're we're always the favorite. We're always favored to win. We're always going to win. It doesn't matter who we're playing, we're always going to win. That is his mentality and that is what he is preaching and it's pretty infectious and it's real. I mean, he really feels it. He believes it and and just in talking to him, he's He's thrilled with his line. He knows the line is not real deep, but he knows he's he's, he's got a pretty good line. And he has got some really, really good skill players too. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, it's a matter of putting it all together. But the thing about it is I already know he he has told me he is way ahead already this year than he was last year. And he he felt like it was – you know the game that he got kicked out of. Mm. At that point in time, he kind of started feeling it when they were starting to come together, but he really felt it when they got back together. When he when he came back after his one game suspension, he really felt it. He felt like the team was was there and was on it, and 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 he was just ready to roll. And and he and so I don't think he's got that. He doesn't have that hiccup this year. Uh, and I think he's going to start the season just rolling. We start the season with Olathe West. Uh, we've never played them before. Uh, they've ended up being a they ended up being a much much better team from the start of things than they have. Um, uh, I mean, they've only been in yeah, they've only been a program for what? Yeah, is it three or four?
1: It's not three long. Years. Yeah, they've
0: been a, uh, they've been a high school for four total years. They've been a football program for three, uh, and and I think now they're officially in 6A all the way. I think originally they were in 6A. They played their games in 6A, but then their playoffs they were five. Yes, years. yes. And so they Very actually weird. ended up doing really well their first mm-hmm. year.
1: Yeah, they were like three and five, and they got like a low and, seed, and then they just rolled through. And yeah. then I think they lost like Mies or something. They the- they
0: they lost to.
1: Aquinas or, yeah, or somebody. Yeah, it, one of It was of the, Aquinas. Uh-huh. They
0: lost to Aquinas in, in the semifinals. Yeah, and it's like they would have gone to the championship yeah. game, but, but they got blown out. But, but you know, so that team has changed over. But it's a, it's an area of Olathe that uh, all those kids in that area of town uh, have known each other and been playing with each other since kindergarten in all sports, and so they know each other well. I think the fact that they all and, and the reason why I know this, because that was my old neighborhood mm-hmm. and I know what what my son went through uh, when he when he played uh, sports all through high school. He was all of, with all of his buddies, even though he was at the high school level, all these kids, they'd all played together since kindergarten. And that's just how it is over there in Olathe and how that works out. Uh, so uh, especially in that in that particular school. Uh and, and, and unless you go away to another another school for another reason but uh that's kind of the way it is. So anyway, uh but I look uh, it looks good. It looks you know, Gardner-Edgerton. You never know what you're going to get with Gardner-Edgerton. I mean, they could be good or they could be bad.
1: It feels like they've alternated like they'll have yeah. a year where they go 8 and 0 and then they have a year where they go 2 and 6. Like last year was a struggle for them.
0: Right. And right. I and I and I don't know if we play them uh second or third game. Uh but that probably is our toughest challenge early I, I can't i mean i don't know i i'm i'm with clint i can't imagine us all i will favor us every game no matter what <laughs> uh and i'll even favor us in the derby game if mm-hmm. you know when we get to play them again and if we if we uh go to the it, it, you know just like any other year if you go to the state championship you're going to probably have to go through derby at some point in time and i feel good about it and i feel good about this team where we're at and and certainly our coach
1: All right. He's Matt Llewellyn. Can't say better than that. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, necks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear plus they re- look really cool and they just released well not just but after the national championship they released a national championship shirt use the code rock chalk sports talk that's rock chalk sports talk all one word and you'll get 15% 15% off your first order that's right code rock chalk sports talk all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order About 20 till 5, this is Rock Chalk Sports Stock on KLWN. With Lane Gillespie, I am Derek Johnson, and it's that time on a Friday. The stock market is officially closed. No more stock trading for the week. So we're going to tell you what stocks are up, what stocks are down, maybe what stocks are the same, what stocks are different. Other words that I can use. Okay, uh, cue the music first up. On the sports stock market, stock is up on Alabama's 2026 offensive line. Tyler Parker, he is a six foot one, 300 pound lineman from California. There was a uh, picture that surfaced around on social media. You're just going to have to look it up. I can't translate this over to radio, but um, this dude is. Absolutely chiseled. He is a giant human. Again, six foot one, 300 pounds. And when I say six one, 300, it's not just like six one, 300 of like, you know, out of shape 300. This dude is like, you know how like Aaron Donald is like 300 pounds and he's like chiseled? It's not quite that because he's in high school but like it's it's kind of the the high school equivalent of that and not only that this kid is 14 years old he's a yeah, freshman in high school
2: i was going to make sure that you mentioned that uh, he has not had a high school class yet he's about to, no. he's about to enter high he's school
1: entering. Now he's entering that's the other thing he's 6'1 295 yikes and again like a chiseled 6'1 295 yeah. um so we know this kid's just going to end up like going to Alabama or some SEC school he'll be the uh, Starting left tackle or, or something like that. Starting left guard on their uh, next you know 2025 title or uh, 2028 title winning team or something like that. Then he'll go and be a first round pick. So stock is up on uh, Alabama's 2026 offensive line when Tyler Parker joins. Maybe it'll be 2027. I don't know. Whatever it is. Either way, it's up. Okay. Uh, stock is down on the internet. Um, a new law went into effect in Japan raising the penalty for online insults to up to a year in jail and up to $2,200 that's in U.S. dollars uh, translated over, which seems like a small fine given a year in jail, although it's up to a year in jail, so you could just have less than that. That's crazy. So, like, think about that. Uh, If that ends up happening, like, if, if that translated over into other countries and stuff, like, that's half of what the internet is right. used for to like what what does qualify as an insult though? That's a great question. Like if, if if a KU fan were to tweet at like, you know, Iowa State's Twitter account and be like, We kicked your butt, you guys suck. Like does that count as an insult? I think that's where the judge comes into yeah. play. I mean, you're going to start having like in in Japan, like attorneys are going to start, you know, you you have attorneys who specialize in certain areas of law. You have attorneys who specialize in elder law or in divorce law or whatever. You're going to start having attorneys who specialize in online insult law and trying to diagnose all that and figure that out. You got to be careful online because a lot of stuff could be considered um, a insult. I feel like, I don't know, I try not to be mean to people online, but, like, you get in certain arguments where it's like, would arguments be considered this way? I don't know. Do you think if, if this was a law in the U.S.? I mean, this would never happen in the U.S. to begin no. with. But do you think if this was a law in the U.S., like, social media, do you think it would exist? No. I, I don't agree. I so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would. Because... As much as, like, people get their news and stuff from social media, that's a big discourse of it. People would just go back to getting their news from other ways. I mean, if they mean, like, cyberbullying, it's already kind of
2: mm quote-unquote against the law in America, but insults and cyberbullying are two very different things.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yes. If it's criminalizing, like, cyberbullying, like, good. That should not happen. But if it's just criminalizing again, like, me being like, oh, you know... You're stupid. That argument sucks. Like that, that would not be fun. So, uh, I don't know. Again, that'll never happen in, like, the U.S., but what if you're on, oh, my gosh, I just realized this. Like, VPNs are, like, a very popular thing, yeah. right? Especially with, if you have, like, MLB TV, but you don't get, like, Bally Sports Network, for instance. You want to watch the Royals. You can't watch them on MLB TV because it's blacked out. But if you have a VPN, you can, you know, go through some hoops that basically it makes you think you're in another country. Um and you can like watch the game if you have a vpn on your say computer and you go on twitter and you know you 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 fire off some tweet or something like that and it, it says something mean to someone and the vpn is taking you out of japan can you be arrested can you be fined for these things that would not be great okay uh stock is up on summer league mattering first of all we talked earlier today they're giving out rings if you win the summer league, right? Which, to me, is still kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I don't love it, but hey, it matters. Um, also, everyone seems ready to declare Chet Holmgren is the greatest draft pick of all time. I don't know if you watched any of his uh, debut. He, I did. He was. Um, he's actually, I think, played twice now. Played the Jazz, and you know, looked really good. He was handling the basketball for seven footer, going through, dunking on guys, stuff like that. Uh, the next game, he again put up a big performance. The next game, though, there were some questions because Kenneth Lofton Jr., who's like this six foot eight, like 300 pound center bowling ball, at times bullied him. Although Lofton did like score 19 points on 17 shots, so it wasn't like ultra efficient or anything, but uh, you know, everybody is already ready to declare that Chet Holmgren should have been the number one pick in the draft.
2: I think what just—I'm ready for it, I know a lot of people agree, is mm-hmm. the Chet Holmgren versus Giannis Antetokounmpo matchup. <laughs> I think Giannis would win that one all day.
1: Well, Giannis wins every matchup with right. anyone, though. <laughs> Fair. That's okay. That, I, I, I win—it uh, always cracks me up when, like, during the NBA draft or something— You know, and and I remember they used to do this a lot in like the early 2010s when like Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose were at the height of their power. There's these like ultra athletic, like maybe as fast, uh, as explosive, as athletic as point guards that we've ever seen. And like a point guard would get drafted in the first round. They'd be like, you know, I just don't know if if like do you envision him being able to keep up defensively with Derrick Rose do you envision him being being able to keep up with that speed? It's like no, but nobody is <laughs> like what do you what do you mean? Right. That's like saying you know I I know you're you're really fast, but could you beat Usain Bolt in a race? It's like, well, no, but that's not what I'm going for here if if it was that easy to stop him, then we would have done it by now. Um, so, yes, Chet Holmgren's going to get bullied at times defensively by Joel Embiid oh, yeah. and Giannis Antetokounmpo, but so is, like, a majority of the league. Okay, <laughs> uh, stock is down on Madden's 99 club. Trent Williams, great left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, got named to the 99 club. That on its own it does not make stocks down on the Madden 99 club. That's great. He deserved to be there. In fact, he had, like, one of the highest-rated pro football focus seasons we've ever seen already deserved to be there. He should have been there before. Um, But that's my question. Why? Because he is the first offensive lineman right. to ever reach this award. Why have there not been others? Right. Makes me question the sanctity of the Madden 99 Club. People forget
2: linemen are probably one of the most, if not the most important positions in football. Um...
1: I just say that as a lineman myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just look at, I just look at like the way that Madden, like they give out like 90, 95 ratings, like they're candy. Like you can go in and see, there'll be like 50 players who are like 90 or above. Um, and that's one thing that like, and this is getting like a little technical video game talk, but like NBA 2K does a good job of, they don't like over inundate the rating rankings where everybody is like a 90 or above. And that kind of happens in Madden. Um, so the fact that they make it that easy to get all these like high ratings and these 90 plus ratings, but that you have never had an offensive lineman as a 99 is pretty crazy to me. I mean, there there have been some great linemen over the course of, of Madden happening. I mean, you think back to the the Chiefs offensive line just in general. Like you, I don't know Willie Roe or, or Brian Waters or something like that. You had Jonathan Ogden with the Raiders. Um, you know, you go back to to more recently where. Um, You have, uh, I I can't think of the guy's name for the Colts, the the great offensive guard that they've had over the past handful. Like, there are enough linemen that at least one of them should have got a 99. So I have some questions about the Madden 99 club. Stock's down. Stock remains down on the Chiefs' relationship with Justin Houston. Houston remained a free agent until recently, just signed a one-year deal to return to the Baltimore Ravens, who he spent last season with. Um the Chiefs currently could use a pass rusher. It's been mm-hmm. made very clear. They could have last year as well, but they've not been able to get Justin Houston back, despite him signing one-year deals, despite them having some salary cap space that they could, if they wanted to, go out and get him. I can't help but think, especially after you lose um after you lose uh, Melvin Ingram late in the offseason to the Miami Dolphins um that you would have liked to get Justin Houston if you could have. He is still a productive pass rusher, and obviously he is familiar with the area. An issue, though, is that something seems to be off in this relationship because otherwise it would have made too much sense to have a reunion. I again, like I can't imagine the Chiefs would just be like, no, we don't want him at a position of need to where he's going to come in at cheap, not be a long term contract. Like, why would you not want that guy there? They cut him originally, and since then, it feels like the relationship is dead. It's unfortunate because Justin Houston is is like a, a Chiefs all time great. Right. I, I don't know if he'll get his jersey uh, in, or not jersey, but his name in the the Ring of Honor. I would think he could. I mean, the one season alone that he had where he almost broke the sack record, that kind of gets you there to begin with. Um, But it's just unfortunate because, yeah, the Chiefs could really use it. Instead, he's going to a team that the Chiefs are competing with. Okay, uh, stock is up on James Harden's will to win. There are some questions on it. It dropped pretty far down. I mean, over the course of his career, it would drop certainly. Um, And then you had this offseason where, or not this offseason, this postseason, where in the final playoff games, he's just not really forcing the issue. And in in the second half of the game against the Heat, where they're down and they need to come back and you're in a do or die game six, you have to win to force game seven. He took like one or two shots in the second half. He was just kind of non existent in that game. People are questioning the will to win, but uh, maybe no more because. He opted out of his $47 million player option that he could have taken. He could have just maximized all the money. And then when he opted out, it wasn't necessarily an indication that this was going to be the case because people thought that hey, he's opting out. He's probably going to take like a, you know, a five year maximum contract and just get even more money locked in. Not the case. He's actually taking a two year contract with the Sixers with a player option on the end of it. So in theory, it's a, it's a one year option right, right now. Um, And he's taking a $15 million pay cut for next season. So he's going to be making around $30 million a year as opposed to the $47 million a year. And that gives more flexibility to the 76ers. Uh, Some have questioned if that is enough for them to go out and acquire a guy like um, Eric Gordon from the Houston Rockets. His former teammate, Daryl Morey, now the... The, the GM with the 76ers obviously brought Eric Gordon to the Rockets and, and he's still a productive, good player who can kind of give you uh, 3 and D and, and that would certainly help that 76ers team with wanting more floor spacing around Joel Embiid, wanting another guy who can shoot and play defense around James Harden and that kind of taking that pay cut allows you to do that. You know, for a guy like James Harden who has had so many individual awards, all NBA seasons winning multiple MVPs um, he's had a lot of winning seasons too, but he that that even finals appearance yeah. outside of the one with the Thunder where he was the sixth man has eluded him in the finals. The, the championship has obviously eluded him for his time in the NBA. But people just kind of question like, you know, obviously he wants to win, but how much so? Is he just fine making a bunch of money and putting up great stats? Seems like that's the case. I think the proof from this is that that's not the case like he wants to do whatever it takes to win a title
2: and i wonder if part of it has to do with um if he's content with being a 76er i think that's quite possible that Mm -hmm. he's content with it right now
1: yep uh he is lynn gillespie i'm Derek johnson that is your sports stock market this is rock shock sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn two hours down one to go we're gonna get to a new segment coming up at the top of the five o'clock hour it's a segment done by Lane Gillespie. It's going to be called The Fast Lane. We've also got a uh, top 10 list coming up for you as well. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. <laughs> Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie, Derek Johnson. We uh, have a new segment to unveil. It's going to be simple. It's called the Fast Lane. Lane has, and I, I tasked him with this a couple weeks ago, actually, before I left the Germany. I totally forgot about it. Um, so we're, we're bringing it up today. So I don't actually know if uh, this is going to be a collection of stats over the last three weeks, if it's going to be a collection of stats just over this last week, but how this segment is going to work. Some lane. of them are just kind of general. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, so basically Lane has a collection of 10 notable statistics or, or general facts or whatnot about things going on in the world of sports. And these are the 10 big ones from Lane Gillespie. So let's get into it. Fast Lane with Lane Gillespie. All righty.
2: And by the way, this is actually perfect because I've always been a numbers guy. Okay. So yeah, it's perfect. Uh, First of all, so can KU repeat as national champions? History says eh, probably not. Uh, Just looking at their history. So after the 1952 title, yeah, they were close. They were runners up. They lost to Indiana in the championship. After '88, well, they were not good. I mean, yeah, they couldn't make the tournament because they uh, had some recruiting violations and everything, so they were ineligible. But at the end of the day, that didn't matter because they finished 19 and 12, including a 6 and 8 uh, win-loss record against Big Eight opponents, and they had an eight-game losing streak in the midst as well. So they were they were not great. I mean, yeah, you could you could kind of tie in the factor that it was the first year under Roy Williams, and they probably didn't care as much because hey, they can't even make the tournament. Um, But it was the last time KU failed to win 20 games in the season. After the 08 title, they were were pretty decent, you know, to end off the year. But in the middle of the season, no. Because that was – they were unranked for a little bit in the middle of the season. And that season was where the streak started of um, what was – it was consecutive weeks being ranked in the top 25. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it ended in 2021. So if you look at their history, maybe – And there have been seven instances where schools have repeated as champions. Okay, actually eight instances. Eight teams. Or seven teams. Eight instances. Because obviously UCLA is in there because they won seven of them in a span of like eight years or something like that. Uh, You also have Oklahoma State back in the 40s. Kentucky back in the 40s. Surprising schools. San Francisco and Cincinnati did as well. But since 1990, it's only happened twice. Duke, 91 and 92. And Florida in 06 and 07. So... History says we doubt it's going to happen, especially when KU lost a bunch of key pieces that they have.
1: Yeah, it's it's very tough. In fact, I think that Florida team is is even the only one since 2002 who's even made it past the Sweet 16. So it's, it's not just that. It's, it's even trying to make it back to a Final yeah. Four <laughs> is really tough. So, yeah, tough stuff. What's number two? Uh, let's move it on to the Royals. Uh, this can't be good. Right. Uh, yesterday was the halfway mark
2: of the season. They're 30 and 51. They are not on pace to have the worst record in the history of the team. Though, because the worst was 56 and 106. That happened back in 2005. But this would definitely be a top five worst.
1: Mm. Not great. Um, I do think that the Royals have that. They, they usually do it. And they, I think they did this last year where it's like, in September, when things don't matter, it actually makes their draft pick worse. Although this year with the lottery, uh, it won't matter as much. But I, I think they'll have one month in them where they go, you know, like 19 and, and 10 or something like that, and they kind of buoy the record. I don't think they'll end up the bottom five worst. Um, but then again, they're already this bad, and they're going to trade some <laughs> yeah. pieces away at the deadline. So not great. Right.
2: Speaking of the Royals, so they played against the Astros yesterday. And you and I kind of talked about this over breaks in yesterday's show. Uh, Yordan Alvarez hit a home run to give the Astros the lead in the fifth inning. Hit a left field, was 355 feet with an exit velocity of like 102 and a launch angle of 22 degrees. That was a liner, to say the least. Yeah. So I follow a Twitter account. It's called Wooded it Dong, and this is not like a this is not like a promotion for them. But it's basically just that they have an it account. Sounds like an inappropriate Twitter account. <laughs> not quite uh they, they should have said what a ding or huh. whatever would it have been a dinger but nope it's called what a dung. i don't know why anyway uh they basically take some home runs or some deep flies that don't quite become a home run and they kind of compare it to the 30 mlb ballparks and say well would it be a home run here and of course alvarez's home run only would have been a home run at minimade park which is where they were and nowhere else of course it would
1: that's a bandbox box, man. That that left field is similar to, like, if you combined that left field with the Yankees' right field, mm-hmm. I mean, it, every game would just be, like, 12 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it counts. Jordan Alvarez is unbelievable, but, yeah, uh, that's not cool. That shouldn't be a home run. I know. <laughs> I don't like that. 350 feet? Come on. Shohei Otani is a player to behold.
0: Mm.
2: Amazing two-way talent. On Wednesday, he became the first player since 1920 to have 10 strikeouts as a pitcher, two RBIs as a batter, and have a stolen base all in one game. First in over 100 years.
1: Wow. That's nuts. See, there's there's that funny viral tweet, too, where they probably lost that game, um, where it's like <laughs> it's like uh, every Angel's tweet be like, Mike Trout hit a two-run home run, Shohei Otani did something for the first time since Greg the Leg, Maddox, blah, 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 did and the Angels lost 10-4 to you know, it's just like <laughs> I don't get how they're so bad but yeah he is, he is unbelievable it's crazy because as great as Jordan Alvarez and Aaron Judge have been you could still make the argument Shohei Otani is the MVP he has four straight like, scoreless pitching outings and added to what he's doing uh, with the bat unbelievable talent
2: keeping in uh, pace with the MLP the age difference between the oldest player and the youngest player is very interesting it's 21 years wow 21 is the youngest, 42 is the oldest. Well, yesterday, for the first time since 1975, the oldest active player and the youngest active player in the MLB both had an RBI in the same game. Ah. Albert Pujols is the oldest active. He's 42 for the Angels, and I believe playing for the Pirates is Michael Harris II. He's 21 years
1: old. Uh, He is on the Braves. Braves. Um, Right. Good young player, just came up. That's a cool little number. Uh, I love Albert Pujols. I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I go back and forth. Like, I don't love the, like, Coach K and Derek Jeter just goodbye fest, but it does kind of make it nice, and, and he would certainly deserve one. But anyway, that's a cool little number there. Uh, let's go to KU football. We
2: have obviously seen Kenny Logan is that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yesterday or, yesterday or two days ago, he was named uh, to the All-Big 12 uh, defense list, which is basically the All-Big 12 first team. Last year, he was the only player in the country with at least 113 tackles, six pass breakups and multiple forced fumbles over the course of the season. He also had the third most solo tackles in the country with 79. The thing to me that irks me is that if you have a really good defense, I don't think there's any reason why your safety should have that many tackles.
1: Correct. Yeah, I remember, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Fish Smithson? Fish Smithson. Does that sound right? I think he led the country in tackles one Gosh, year. Gosh, I wonder why. Yeah, and it was like it was like, wow, this guy's so good. And it's like, well, I mean, yes, congrats to him for doing that. Like, great on him. But yeah, that that that's not something you want. So hopefully, Kenny Logan has way less tackles, maybe more interceptions and pass deflections this year because the linebackers and D line are eating up some of those tackles. So speaking of Kansas football,
2: mm-hmm. um, projected to finish last in the Big 12 with the preseason polls that came out yesterday. I want you to take a guess. And you probably know this. I don't know. This is a decent trivia piece. So everyone listen. When was the last time KU was projected not to finish
1: last? Okay. Um, Hmm. I don't know. 2012, like Turner Gill's first year. Is that even his first year? Incorrect. Oh, it might have been. But yeah, that is incorrect. Hmm. 2010? Good job. 2010.
2: Which was the last time that the Big 12 had two divisions? They, okay. were, they were projected to finish, I think, third or fourth in the North Division or
1: something like Still that. Still is not even last so yeah, so yeah, is the twelfth year. Long. So this is the twelfth year in a row that K projected. So maybe to that's the goal for this season. Maybe that's how we deem it a success or not. We don't care about there the wins go. and losses. We figure if by next offseason are they not predicted to finish last anymore. Maybe that would determine a winner. Now their best projection
2: mm-hmm. in their history, well, since the Big Twelve started back in ninety seven, uh was two thousand eight and two thousand nine uh they were projected to finish second in the big 12 north the team projected to finish first in 2008 was missouri gross and in 2009 nebraska okay which ku finished i mean what the big 12 website has down technically tied finishing in first in the north division in 2007 Mm -hmm. because both ku and missouri had that one loss but missouri beat ku um And I don't even think, yeah, Missouri wasn't even the Big Twelve champion. I don't think. No,
1: Oklahoma beat them in the Big Twelve title game that year. And
2: then I think uh, Missouri lost in a in their uh, bowl game too.
1: They, I think they won, but it was the Cotton Bowl, and they beat Arkansas, who was I don't even know if they were like a ranked team. It was just funny because they had to play in that against like a borderline ranked team, whereas KU got the Orange Bowl. Yeah. Uh, moving to the NFL,
2: so we heard about the news, Uh, Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers. He's in some pretty uh, pretty bad company. He's the third quarterback picked number one overall in the common draft era, that's since 1967, to last less than five seasons with the team that drafted him. Mm. There are two guys where it happened. I'm going to make you guess one of them. So one of them was Jeff George. Lasted four seasons with the Colts. I want you to guess the other. And this happened in the mid-2000s. Mid-2000s. Think of one of the greatest busts of all time, or one of the biggest busts of all time. Oh, Jamarcus NFL. Russell? There you go, Jamarcus Russell. Didn't even last number five. One. He was there for three years. He was wow. with Oakland for three years, and, and they like, said, we need no it. more you of go. this.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: He was such a distraction on and
1: off the field. Well, that's crazy, because you can think about it, center. and there have been other number one picks that haven't like totally panned out, but that makes it even crazier that even that little have only, like like they, at the very least, they're like, Let's let him last five yeah. years. Let's give him time, but yeah that one's a little different though because it's a trade. The other ones are, are mostly like Jamarcus Russell was like, no, we're cutting you. Right. Just that bad. <laughs> all right, last up okay
2: happy anniversary. 12 years ago to the date LeBron James made the decision to move to ah. Miami. He spent all as we all know, he spent all four years uh, he spent four years with the heat and in all four years took him to the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. which is really impressive, but also given the fact that he had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch. Ray Allen, Shane Battier did good. Mike Miller did good. Mario Chalmers did pretty
1: good. Yeah, he did a couple rings with him. Yeah. Um, Hmm. I wonder if LeBron could go back to a few years ago when he made another one of his decisions to leave the Cavaliers and go to the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And looking back at at the turmoil he's undergone, he won a ring with the Lakers, so you give him that. Although you know, in the bubble and everything. Asterisk question mark. Right. Um, But outside of that, like you're looking at what he's been with the lakers i think 4 years is that correct and you've had it's something like a you've had two missed playoffs <laughs> one year where you were a 7 seed and then the the year you won the title i wonder if he would pick a different destination if you were to tell him that would be the path
2: there has been speculation but i i, I don't know he could like, probably he go back stayed...
1: to the heat or something i don't I mean, imagine maybe. if he was on the heat with like jimmy butler and, and i don't even know if they could have in hindsight made like all that work contractually but um I don't know. That would be interesting. What if the Lakers were like, hey, Nets, we'll trade you LeBron James (laughs) and something out and whatever for Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? I don't know. That would be nuts. That would be. He is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Fun first segment A Fast Lane. This is RCST.